why would you follow Jesus? A lot of people, they're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, he isn't God, but he's a good guy. Like he's a good dude, right? Like he was, he taught good things. Like he's a good teacher, but he's not God. Jesus cannot, Jesus cannot be not God and be good at the same time because that would make him a liar and liars are not good, right? He's the biggest liar that ever lived if he actually isn't God because that's who, who he claimed to be. Jesus cannot be a good teacher and not be God. He is either completely God and therefore completely good or he's probably one of the most diabolical people who he's has the ever walked. Con artist ever. Biggest, and that's what C.S. Lewis, you know, presented for us: Lord, liar, lunatic. Jesus can only be one of those three things. He's either Lord, he is a liar, or he is the a lunatic. Another um, transforming thought that was probably the most pressing for me: conversation of "I'm a good person." Mm. People don't understand why they need a savior. They understand that Jesus is a helper. Mm-hmm. He's an encourager at the very least. Right. But I don't owe any, I don't owe my worship, my attention. Every, my, everything in me isn't his because I don't understand because I'm a good person. I feel like, and, and the reason I'm going to say this is I'm going to give a, 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 a extreme hypothetical. There's an individual who has made all the right choices, right? loved his family, worked hard, um, loves his children, gives his children nice things. Um, kind of came from nothing to making a good life for his family. And then the, on the flip side, you have this individual who is, you know, the the extreme, the murderer, the prostitute, the porn star, mm-hmm. the you know, the corrupt banker who embezzles yeah. millions of dollars. You know, the extreme because extremes is where this conversation needs to be had because that's the root of freedom because. In this verse is what really changed my life. And it says, this is Luke seven forty one. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And then Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom more is forgiven. And he right. said, you've judged rightly. And if you back up and give context, a woman of the city comes and pours alabaster in a full... Oil, yep. I think it was a two years wages or a years one, year. one year's wages of ointment of oil and breaks it and pours it on Jesus' feet. Right. Yeah. Very expensive. I, I have a point on that. Can too. I can I finish? No, this? finish. Go again. So the the crazy thing that provides freedom is one, there's freedom for right. the extremely bad person. Right. Five hundred an area you owe, Jesus forgives you. Yeah. But for the sure. fifty. What is debt at its truest form wow. that you do not have the capacity to pay something back. No matter what level or value, 500 or 50, yeah. the basis of debt is you do not have the funds, the means you don't. to repay. Right. It doesn't matter how much it is, but there is in what it is is an eternal debt. Yes. That can only be bridged by the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And that was so freeing to me because so many people it's yeah. like and I was not the extreme, but I also wasn't the goody two shoes either. I was like right in the middle, but I, this this mind pretzel of how can the murderer and the guy who protects his family or his whole life go to the same place? Right. It's because everyone owes a debt. The wages of sin is death, hmm. which seems harsh, you know, to the to to a person like you. You throw an Adolf Hitler in the mix, right? The wages of his sin being death. Everyone says, "Heck yeah!" Mass genocide, anti-Semitism, right? Like. 
Mm. Everyone says yes. Like, give, kill him, dude. Kill him, resurrect him, and kill him again. I mean, that's what people would say. But to the little old lady who was the first Baptist church organist who lived her whole life, never got married, was completely celibate, dedicated her whole life to loving the Lord, you know, provided out of her own pocket meals for the, 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 the down and out children of the neighborhood. The wages of her sin is death. She did one little thing. She told one little white lie. It was a white lie, dude. But the wages of her sin is death. Yes, it is, it, is, it is the same across the board. And because the punishment is the same, that means that one person has to only go through one punishment in order for it to count for everyone. Mm-hmm. The only requirement for that to actually work is that person has to have no sin of their own they need to deal with because then their life is essentially a blank check. That death is a blank check. How yeah. many people you want it to count for? Let's just, in our job, ultimately here on earth as ambassadors of Christ, is to keep racking that number up. How many people do you think we can get in that number? Before, the, before eternity is over and the book is closed and heaven is sealed and hell is sealed, how many people can we make Jesus's one sacrifice count for? And that's the beauty of it. It seems harsh. And I guarantee the devil, when all of a sudden God says, here's the rules, the wages of sin is death. God, the devil had to have been like, God's lost his mind. I'm totally gonna win this. I just gotta get them to sin one time and they're dead. <laughs> not knowing God would ever provide himself as the sacrifice. Mm. Mind freaking blowing, dude. That's that is right. how good our God is. Yeah, I want to touch on on that verse of, uh, sorry, who was it saying that? It was, uh, this is Luke, but it was um, Jesus responding to Simon the Pharisee and then the woman of the city. Yeah, so I would say that it's more than just Jesus forgives everyone that is open to being forgiven, right? Right. So it's not a matter of who is forgiven much, loves much. It's even more than that. It is those that understand of how much they are forgiven loves much, right? Yeah. You know, like you were talking about the the person that, that you know, like Paul, he says, I'm the least among you because I killed, I killed Christians, right. right? I'm the least among you. What does that say? It's, if he was, if he continued on killing Christians, what is that? Is the forgiveness still open to him? If he, if he didn't even realize it, is that forgiveness there? Sure. But would he realize it? You know, without that realization of, of, of knowing God has set me free and forgiven. And that's why it's so important for gratitude and for thankfulness. And when I recall the times of before Jesus, I want to, I want to remember who I was before him in the sense of gratitude, yeah. in the sense of, God, you did all that. You forgave me of everything. And, and that will just propel you into, into being able to actually have grace for people, mm-hmm. being able to ha- actually show Jesus' love for other people. Whenever you look back and you're like, man, look at what I did. Look at each of those things I did, and you set me free of all of it. Yeah. And that's why Paul always looks back on he he points back to to the dead the dead person, Saul. He always he always refers to to the Saul part of him. You know, whenever you, you look through Romans, he he brings up stuff that that actually it confuses a lot of Christians. They're like they they think it's an excuse to continue on on living this way on, because Pastor. because Paul is referring to a person that's dead. Yes. He's referring to I died. That person's dead, but I'm so thankful for 
for what Jesus forgave that person of. Yeah. And now I'm this new person, right? Well, think about this, dude. This is a this is a mind blowing one. The Apostle Paul killed countless Christians before his conversion, right? Which means this. When he entered into heaven, when the Apostle Paul entered into heaven, he entered into it hearing the claps and cheers of Christians he had killed and sent there. It's crazy. How crazy is that? That's Christianity. Christians he had killed and, and made sure went to heaven, clapped and cheered as the Apostle Paul entered into the That's, glory of the Lord. That statement is the essence of the love of Jesus that reflected is the among his of the people. Gospel. Not only did the Lord cheer, but the great cloud of witnesses, part of which he had made sure were there because he sent them to their death, cheered as the Apostle Paul came in through those pearly gates. And that... That's the perfect image of heaven, mm-hmm. understanding how, I mean, even here on earth, like we, we strive and we, we understand, like Gerardo says, the presence is everything. Right. That is the perfect picture of the presence, that the presence of Jesus, being in the presence of Jesus for eternity is everything to no the point animosity. where you killed me. No I don't, revenge. I mean, you can't get, do anything worse to somebody than murder them. You're right. And they're welcoming him in loving arms. Not and only I, did you kill me, you killed my kids. Think about that. You murdered my children and we because see, I followed Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I'm now clapping in the presence of God because God saved you. I'm not sitting here going, how the heck did he make it in here? That's what most people would think. Oh, for sure. You, 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 there will be people in heaven who really surprise you are there, and you're not going to care at all. It is not going to bother you one second that they made it. But I think on the other hand, there will be people you're surprised aren't there as well. Because Absolutely. at the end of the day, we don't know. Only God can see faith. Only God can actually see who has put their faith in me and who hasn't. We see lip service, but Jesus says this of the, you know, the, um, the Pharisees. Their lips worship me, but their hearts are far from me. That's what he says. Like That's how they are to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Their lips worship, but their hearts are far. So many people, their lips worship, but their hearts are far. And oh, at the end of the day, only God can see faith. And it's yeah. our job to just keep tossing the gospel out and it sticks it sticks where it sticks and the chips fall where they may yeah and god didn't god didn't write the american bible you know what i mean right and like you you have to sometimes let go of some american ideologies yeah. like like getting punched in the face and actually letting them i watched a podcast this is a quick statement because i don't want to no, in russia if you step on somebody's foot they have to step on your foot back it's a custom it's a culture if you step on somebody's foot waiting for a bus, they're going to step on your foot back. If you shoulder bump them, they have to shoulder bump you back. It's a cultural aspect of living in Russia. Eye for an eye. I mean, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. And so I'm saying you you can't Americanize this. You know, it. You know, you get punched in the face. In America, you bet. Stand up for yourself. Fight back. Stand up for yourself. It's not in the Bible, guys. And that's where we, we, we talked about that a few podcasts ago with the whole Andrew Tate thing of him saying Christianity is weak because you can go out in the streets and blaspheme their God and no one's going to do anything about it. No, that shows the strength of Christianity because Christianity never claimed to rule with an iron fist and claimed to rule with violence. We claimed to rule with love. Mm-hmm. We claimed to rule with peace. We claimed to rule with forgiveness. And the power of Christianity and the proof in the pudding of Christianity is that you can go on our streets, mock our God, and yeah. we're going to bring you a sprite to make sure your throat doesn't get hoarse as you mock our God. Yeah. And it, and <laughs> that, that's, that's Christianity 101. Th- that is what broke down the most powerful empire in human history, perhaps. The Roman Empire was taken down by love. 
Dude, something's happening. Y'all boys are preaching. Hey guys, before we get back to the episode, I want to tell you about our friends over at 612 Printing and Coa. 612 Printing provides screen printing services um, to the Christian ministries and Christian brands. And the cool thing about 612 and Coa is that they now provide together fulfillment services, much like ASOS. You list your product up on their site, then they will actually store your products and ship out your products. So all you're responsible for is making the sale. They'll take care of the rest. And they just really want to see Christian brands be raised up, Christian ministries be raised up, so you can focus on what you're called to focus on. If that's something you're interested in, reach out to COA612, and uh, I think they can be of service to y'all. God bless. <laughs> Let me take my step back and just let y'all go. Well, I mean, but... and that gets back to what, uh, there's this great guru Pharisee in the book of Acts. His name was Gamaliel, right? Gamaliel, Gamaliel, however you want to pronounce it. And all of these guys, the younger Padawan Pharisees, if you will, they're getting all in a tizzy over the fact that the church is taking off, right? In the book of Acts, like they're doing stuff. And they're like, we got to stomp this out. We got to put them in jail. We got to go, go, go. And Gamaliel says this, hold on a second. He says, wait, let's think about this. He says, over and over, there have been people who have popped up and thought they were something, tried to get a movement going. And he says, you know, remember that one dude? I can't remember his name. He's like, maybe like Judas of whatever. He said, he popped up was a thing for a while. We killed him. His followers dispersed. He's like, and then a little bit later, there was this other guy. He popped up. He, he, we killed him. His movement came to nothing. He says, if this isn't God, it will deal with itself. He says, but if it is God, you won't be able to stop it. And you will in fact find yourself opposing God. He says, if it's God, it will not be able to stop. And here we are, listen to me, here we are 2000 years later and an ocean away from where all this took place. And we are dedicating our lives and our resources in order to get this message out. That is proof of what Gamaliel said, that it cannot be stopped. And Christianity has never ruled. True Christianity, I understand there was the Crusades and all that weird stuff. That's not real bona fide Christianity. Real Christianity has never ruled by violence. It's because the human heart is not one with violence. It's one with love, it's one with forgiveness, and it's one with the anointing of the Messiah. It's one with the anointing of Christ. And that's what the gospel is. It's the power of God unto salvation. And I wanted to revisit that the picture you displayed of Paul being accepted into heaven by Christians. You see heaven on earth, remnants of that love in all the people who had drunk drivers kill their sons, mm-hmm. people's dads murders. I know a specific, I don't know the actual context. There was a girl whose dad was murdered. This is all the image, but she got up there and she prayed for him to know Jesus. Yep. That is a, a remnant. Like that. that is a remnant of that perfect picture you displayed. And what I, the point I want to make is we're getting into testimonies and this idea of testimonies. We talked about the 50 and the 500. The beautiful part, and I've said this for, I mean, almost the whole time we've been doing this podcast, that when somebody who is this goody two-shoes person understands the weight of their sin without having to go down this narrow road, I don't see... This is powerful. Oh, this is more powerful. There's no scales to the powerful testimonies. I just see Jesus in everything. Right. And the powerful part about it, because I just want to honor that, is the goody two-shoes person who recognizes the weight of their sin understands that that sin, if it's a white lie, in theory killed Jesus. Mm-hmm. That merited the sacrifice of that white lie. Jesus died for that white lie. Yeah. The death of an individual... It, Rarely was somebody die for a righteous person, let alone sinners. Jesus died for your white lie. Mm-hmm. Understanding the magnitude of the, the smallest sins yeah. and the 
because God is a perfect and holy God, and we just impose what we think is right. We impose our human nature on our God, idea of good, our idea of good, which varies as we see it in our vacillates. It, 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 I think it, it, on average, without God, it is going. It is the culture. What is okay with the culture is what you see. That's how you justify that's what your you actions. Yeah, right. I think it's going back to kind of where we started for just a moment of why would you follow Jesus? A lot of people. They're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, he isn't God, but he's a good guy. Like, he's a good dude, right? Like, he, was, he taught good things. Like, he's a good teacher, but he's not God. Jesus cannot, Jesus cannot be not God and be good at the same time because that would make him a liar. And liars are not good, right? He's the biggest liar that ever lived if he actually isn't God because that's who, who he claimed to be. Jesus cannot be a good teacher and not be God. He is either completely God and therefore completely good, or he's probably one of the most diabolical people who he's has the ever walked. Biggest con artist ever. Biggest, and that's what C.S. Lewis, you know, presented for us: Lord, liar, lunatic. Jesus can only be one of those three things. He's either Lord, he is a liar, or he is the, a lunatic. And there is no rationale outside of those three things. He has to be one, and he cannot simultaneously be two of them at the same time. He is either completely Lord, he is a complete liar, or he was completely a lunatic. Another aspect of how I came to know Jesus in Corinthians, it says that when he was resurrected from the cross, when he resurrected from the grave, when the tomb was rolled, he revealed himself to over 500 people. Right, at, yes. At one time. Mm -hmm. He was on the earth, resurrected for 40 days. Yep. So he presented himself to th I mean, I'm. This is not in the Bible. This is me. If not thousands, thousands of people, mm -hmm. probably. Let alone the word of mouth. They said, "Did you not hear as you presented in your sermon or another podcast? Did you not hear what happened in Jerusalem? Yeah, the Messiah was killed. Did right. you not hear? Mm -hmm. Let alone about the re the the resurrection. Right. How fast this news traveled that it cannot be squandered or stomped out like like a small flame because this is a a forest fire mm -hmm. of of and, and that's one of the the, the things that was truly a catalyst for me coming to faith was yeah. witnesses. Yeah. Eyewitnesses. Well, and let's think about this. So many people don't know about this, but go and check your Bible. You'll see I'm right. So many people don't realize that when Jesus was resurrected, there were tons of other people resurrected at the same time. The Bible says that yep. when that when Jesus got about yep. the grave, there was all of a sudden yep. random graves just started being emptied. Like people started just coming back to life. It was that crazy. And I don't, I don't understand how that alone didn't speak of the power of the resurrection. That like, wait a second, when Jesus was resurrected, all these other graves started emptying. There's only one gospel that mentions that detail. And so many people, it's confusing as all get out as to why that even happened. So you don't really hear it preached on much, but your Bible tells you that happened. I don't understand how in, in the actual day and time, people didn't see that and go, oh my gosh, this must be real. And the only thing that tells me that they saw that and went, it's not real is because man is man is constantly trying to escape being held accountable for what they have done. And so they would rather go, la, 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 there's no way this is happening, than face the music and go, oh my gosh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe there, maybe there is a God. Maybe Jesus is him. They'd rather go, go bury, bury their head in the sand than ever be accountable for what they've done. And the good news is, is that Jesus provides a way for you to stand before a righteous God and get a righteous verdict. Jesus is the only way for you to stand before a righteous God and hear a righteous verdict on your behalf. 
And that's what he came to do. He did not come to condemn. That's what John 3.17 says. He did not send his son into the... 3.17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He did not send a condemner. He sent a savior. And that's the thing the world has to understand is God is not itching to condemn you. He's itching to forgive you. Bro, think about this. When you look at... Let's just hypothetically say we're God. Because right. that's what we do already, so let's just actually maybe role-play it a little bit. Very hypothetical here. Very hypothetical. If I was to save the world, how would I do it? Um, I would come and I would maybe sit on the throne of Rome, maybe conquer everything with war and murder and killing everybody and making everybody subdue to my power. What if, as we've already displayed, he didn't do that, but he did it in the most unlikely way possible, almost... If you might add, stretch it to he intentionally did it in the most unlogical way to prove how powerful he really is. And might I add, like we already established, a baby. Wise men came and they worshipped him at the feet of a baby. Wise men from, who was it? Herod. Yeah. The wise men from Herod came and they worshipped a eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? You go to the point where he goes and he doesn't come and make everybody subdue and sit on the throne of Rome, but he goes and he hangs out with the sinners and the tax collectors. Yeah. And he loves people and he washes the sinners' feet, right? Might I add, he goes to the cross and dies. Not He doesn't make everyone die for him. He dies for them. Right. Already cognitive dissonance there. Might I add, um, the first people to see him, the first person to see him after he resurrects is who? A woman. Yep. A woman in that time. This ain't 2020. They had... Basically, no rights. They had no voice. Not a credible source. Culturally, politically, socially, they had no voice. No voice. Yet, they have a woman come and be the first one to see him and then to spread the news about about who he is. The only book from that time that uses a woman as a credible source is the Bible. And we're going to act like like Jesus. Come on, ladies. When you, I mean, I mean, let's honor. It's like, come on. Jesus is pro women. So he is pro women. <laughs> when you look at it, I mean, you just look at the design. It's almost as if God did everything contrary to what humans would have done. Yes. And now, to show, I'm oh, yeah. not like you. I don't play by your rules. You're called to play by mine. And now, the Bible, even for un, you know, not people who don't believe in Jesus, has reformed the whole world. Yep. When Jesus came and he loved sacrificially, now it's cool to love people sacrificially. Now people understand. Hey, like you said last part of the part with me and you. Like people understand away from Jesus, the the path to f- true fulfillment is to pour yourself out for others away yes. from Jesus because Jesus made that cool. Yep. Before that, that was not even that was there's no one did that. No, Nobody. No. You know, some prophets of past. You know, some people who were followers of Jesus. David did it. Abraham did it. But followers of Yahweh. For followers sure. of Yahweh. You know what I'm saying? So I just thought that was an interesting thought of how contrary he to any sort of logic to cultural logic. I should say. Well, God's so gangster. He literally showed up on our turf, decided to play our game, and won by playing his rules. Like, that's how gangster he is. He's like, yeah, I'll come to your turf. I'll play your game, but I'm, I'm going to win playing by my rules. Yeah. I'm not going to play by your rules. Your rules are your vengeance and malice and hatred and backbiting. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it the way and we do it in my hometown, heaven. Yeah, I'm going to do it like that. We get down over. We get down like that. We get down like this. And I'm going to show you, actually, our rules are better. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna win your game playing it my way, and that is how cool our God is. Is he he doesn't have to compromise in order to reach us, 
And who are we? I'll get on this for a second. God never compromised who he was in reaching us. So why do we think we've got to compromise who we are in order to reach the world? Amen. Let the world catch up to you. Don't go catch up to the world. You know, and in my, I would say this, a strong word of advice. If you are not ready to sit with sinners and not sin with sinners, God is not calling you to sit with sinners. Sure. If you cannot sit with sinners and not sin with sinners, God is not asking you to sit with them. You need to spend more time at the feet of Jesus before he dispatches you as an as a agent of change to go sit at the feet of sinners. Yep. The Bible throws haymakers the whole time, especially prophetically. And I think that you can get in debates. Uh, people can try to twist history. People can try to twist science. Look through here and try to find one prophecy that didn't come to pass or right. is not going to come to pass, right? Yeah. There is not one. Jesus fulfilled every single prophetic thing that there was about him. Yeah. Every single one. So many, in fact, that the the followers of the law, the Pharisees, didn't even know the ones that he was fulfilling. They're right. Like, he, Jesus is fulfilling ones that, that even the... You know the yeah. the Jewish people, the even most studied people of the age, aren't exactly. even realizing. Even yeah. even his disciples, even though they weren't astute, they still were taught of Yahweh, right? Right. And they have no idea what's going on. They have no idea the prophecies he's fulfilling. Even none. down to the fact that the Messiah would have none of his bones broken. How could Jesus have gone through what he went through and not break one bone? I mean, even down to the fact that he died in enough time because the, 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 the way it would go of the day was that whenever they wanted to hurry up a crucifixion, they would break the, the people's legs in order for them to no longer prop themselves up so they would suffocate, right? That's what ultimately you die from when you're being crucified. You die of asphyxiation, right? You die of suffocation. And Jesus died before they could break his legs so that the prophecy would be fulfilled, that none of his bones would be broken. Jesus couldn't keep his bones from being broken. It, they just weren't broken because he was the Messiah and he had to fulfill prophecy. I mean, the very word of God held Jesus's bones together as he was being beaten. It's a crazy thought. I was reading the prophecy. I, mean, I was reading the Psalms, not the prophecies. <laughs> I wish that was a book if they just compiled them all together so it would make it way easier to find them. I'm but sure there's something out there. Let me just be honest. I came to know Jesus because I wanted healing. Mm. I'm not going to beat around the bush, and I've I've recently started talking about this on the podcast, but then God's just kind of revealing it more and more and more yeah. to me, that truthfully, I can make a claim that like I just wanted knowledge, or this aspect of God, the fact that He died on the cross, drew me to Him. Let me not kid myself. I wanted healing for my anxiety. What did Jesus do? Met me there, healed me, and in the process of that, revealed to me the truth and saving grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because people right. can be healed all day. Jesus even said, like, I came to do miracles, but even more than this, I came to to preach the words. Right. I came to, it, it's uh, similar, I think it's by John 3.16. In The Chosen, I just watched The Chosen scene, and he said that. He goes, I came to even do more than this, healing paralytics, mm -hmm. to proclaim this message of the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. right? So through Jesus healing me, I then began to, I then understood the gospel. I was then presented with real questions of the faith. You're only a believer because you grew up in this region, in this family, in this side of the world, and you were exposed to Christianity, so that's why you are Christian. Right. And that really bothered me for a while because, I mean, 
I truthfully didn't have all the answers to talk to people about evolution. Talk to the, maybe is the, the Muslim that I'm talking to about faith. They would present me things that I don't know the answer to. Right. So the fact that I didn't come to Jesus by researching every single religion, weighing all the options. Okay, this is the most, that's not how I came to know Jesus. But the more I thought about it and meditated on it, that is a, what we would call a red herring fallacy. It's not the red the basis of a red herring fallacy is you present irrelevant information to distract from the relevant conversation that needs to be had. Right. Um I wouldn't say these are irrelevant, but they're secondary. Yeah. Whether these things whether I know how to talk about Islam, whether I know whether I know the flaws in evolution, Islam, Buddhism, all these different worldviews or not, that doesn't negate the fact that the gospel is real and Jesus is alive and Jesus healed me. Yeah. The relevant question is at hand is, did Jesus resurrect from the dead? I think that Jesus is the fulfillment of the human experience. Mm. I think yeah. that is what our soul longs for, even when we don't want to admit it, that the fact that someone came and he lived a perfect life, he showed perfect love, perfect mercy, perfect selflessness, and, and dying on the cross, even though he didn't have to, he said the joy was set before him and he willingly went to the cross. He resurrected from the dead so that now the road to righteousness, the road to heaven, the road to be reunited in the presence of God was paved. He paved that road for us when that was broken. That mm-hmm. relationship was in, in, um, in flux. In flux. Jesus came and he made, paved that way for us. And I believe that that's what everybody is looking for. I believe that is the fulfillment of our soul's ultimate desire. That's the only verdict that can truly give us life. And you don't have to be a person that has all the answers. You don't have to be a person that can give this five point, five slide PowerPoint presentation. You just got to know that Jesus is the life. He's the way, the truth and the life. And he's the only way to the father. And he's the only way to heaven is placing our trust in him. Thank you all for watching this episode. Had Keenan on. Thanks Keenan for coming on me and brain. As always, we pray this blesses you. We pride ourselves on being a Christian podcast and resource. Please share this with a friend. We hope that it helps you and it helps others. And, uh, can't wait for the next video to see what happens stay tuned so god bless god bless